gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 117, the review segment for Friday, May 6, 2016. It is the day of reckoning, the day of civil war. It is a giant Marvel movie time. We've uh, made our bread and butter on this podcast of arguing over Marvel movies. Uh, there's a big one out this week. And I don't know. I feel like people, have I we? feel like these can be some of our most contentious and entertaining to listen to episodes. I, I like bread we've been, and have we been, butter. <laughs> well. <laughs> Important point. Have we been podcasting as long as the Marvel movies have been no, in existence? No, Iron Man definitely was out before we started podcasting. I don't remember. I think it predates us. I think like Captain America, the first Captain America might have been one of our earliest I Marvel see. movie we're, we're old, but we're not as old as the cinematic universe itself. Not, yeah, not as old as Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Tony Stark, which will continue for the rest of time. Um, so Captain America Ugh. Civil War is not an Avengers movie, but kind of feels like it because it's got a million people in it. Uh, as we've been discussing pre-show, the level of what constitutes a spoiler for this movie is a little uh, tough to figure out. Uh, so we're going to try to get through the non-spoiler section as quickly as possible to give you a sense of what we thought about it. And then... Uh, most of the conversation will happen in a spoiler-friendly zone, so be warned. Uh, guys, I got a hot take. I thought this movie was pretty all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the hot take? Yeah, man. Ouch. Dave, you scorched Dave, me. I know. I burned Dave, you with my hot take. Dave, You're Johnny Storm. The movie will have to settle for... I thought this movie was pretty all right as the, the closest, most simpatico response from Wait, okay, the good news good. is the good news is Captain America Civil War, which has not come out as of this recording, is already number eighty nine on the top two hundred fifty movies on uh No it's IMDb. not. So God. we're in the majority here. Does that does that list get worse every get worse every year or is it do I Apparently. think Well it seems like movie fans, particularly of Marvel and DC, uh become more in need of validation of their opinions. And so they rush to Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb before the movies come out just so they can, uh, you know, have the, <laughs> the confidence of their convictions that these movies that they're so excited for and haven't seen yet are good. Well, I refuse. It's where all the, uh, it's where all the Bernie Sanders supporters went. Now they got yes. nothing to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> Patches, sorry, what were you saying? I was saying everyone should have a podcast so that, that their opinions will never yeah. be validated. If well, you still think Bernie Sanders can be president, then you probably also still think that the MCU will ever turn out a genuinely good movie. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> All right. Okay, so I'm going to basically elaborate on my you know mild sentiment of enjoyment and that I thought this movie had good energy to it. It was a lot less uh, large and kind of uh, lumbering than Age of Ultron. Set it up for our readers. Yeah, I was about to say, because you like it, anything you have about, to describe uh, it. Captain America oh, Lord. or... Really? Or the, Aven- the Avengers, yep. I believe it's pronounced. Well, there are these people who have these powers that make them better able to fight villains than the rest of us. We call them superheroes. We call them mutants. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we'll get there. It's a couple weeks right, from now. Dave? Um, so, yeah, Captain America Civil War, it takes place uh, after the events of Age of Ultron. The uh, kind of destruction of that city that they levitated above the ground at the end of that movie is uh, kind of a large part of what's happening. Essentially, uh, the United Nations, led by uh, the Secretary of State, played by William Hurt. I, uh, has this, has uh, you know tried to put together an initiative to basically regulate the Avengers and make them kind of subject to international law, which is something that, in essence, Iron Man supports and Captain America doesn't. Please, please uh, name that initiative, not 
as a part of trivia. My no, it's the Sokovia, Sokovia, the Sokovia Accords. Accords. And this is a very important point for me because every time they said them, I thought of Krakosia, where, of course, we all remember Tom Hanks' character hails from in the terminal oh, right. and spent most of this movie, particularly when they have a big fight at an airport, uh, imagining what might happen if the MCU crossed over with the terminal and Tom Hanks was still waiting in the JFK. Sokovia I think Accords. I think everyone thought of the terminal throughout These the movie. These are the things you're that, definitely that kept not me alone. going through the two and a half hours of this movie. So, I mean, the movie is, in essence, a reason to have what people do with their toys, which is like, now Iron Man's going to fight Captain America. But unlike Batman versus Superman, there were... A, kind of some larger points to it that seem tied into what the rest of the movies have been about. Uh, it was an opportunity to inju- introduce new characters uh, like Black Panther who become part of the story. And there's this kind of wide cast of characters who we've gotten to know over the course of the other movies who get involved in the action, including Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, Anthony Mackie as the Falcon, who I really enjoyed in this. Um, maybe a teenage Spider-Man or two. Just one shows up at some point. <laughs> two. <in this. laughs> two, yes. Spoiler, two Bring Spider-Man. Back the spider. <laughs> um, I wish it were Spider-Man of Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man. Oh. Um, and then as, uh, as David mentioned, there's a big fight scene in the middle of the movie amongst all the Avengers at an airport. It's been advertised heavily in every trailer. You know that it's coming. Um, and I really like the energy of that scene. I think that might be part of how I think about this movie so fondly is that it moves it's fun to watch. It doesn't have, I mean, not to just continue blasting Batman or Superman, but it's a really recent comparison that it doesn't have the kind of intensity of it. It's kind of you getting to watch these incredible people do these incredible things um, and really enjoys that factor of it, which I don't even think Ultron had. So after Ultron, I felt kind of burned out by this whole thing and really exhausted by the prospect of the MCU getting ever bigger and bigger. And this kind of uh, enlivened my interest in it. And I, it made me root for the characters in a way that I hadn't in a long time that I, I thought was a pretty big accomplishment in a movie this large. Dave. Who did you root for, though? What team were you on? Oh, team. I was, Man or team? Captain America. I did not have a team. Pick a side, wow. Rich. You're apolitical. <laughs> I'm apolitical. This is, what, well, this is why America's falling apart. Yeah. I'm a I'm team. You stand uh, for nothing, Rich. What do you fall for? That's true. I am the Aaron Burr of this movie. Uh, Dave. I don't understand. You, Dave, I very much enjoyed yeah. talking to you after I saw this movie because you wanted to hear all the plot details. And there were things that you didn't know were coming that I enjoyed. And you also didn't yeah. like Captain America's Civil, uh, Winter Soldier. Right. That's a key point here. Yes. So Dave, I think, think this one is, be- is better than the Captain America. that one didn't America's have Spider-Man, and Spider-Man sways Dave. That's true. I mean, but Captain America Winter Soldier also uh, stops in the middle to have uh, a computer give you an info dump, which is a <laughs> symptom of... <laughs> It's a symptom of a Marvel movie. And then there's also there, other symptoms of a Marvel movie that you expect going in to Captain America Civil War that it uh, doesn't hit those beats necessarily. Um, and I think I was surprised at um, how much this movie kept me interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, as it was. Just like tracking it over what the 12 movies that preceded this or the oh eight God, years 12? certainly of real Holy lifetime. Crap. They even been, tap into the Incredible Hulk with yeah, the, William Hurt. the return of William Hurt. It's the so first wait, time that any of these movies have acknowledged the fact that that one ever happened. Since the Avengers 100%. like sort of proves you could uh, you know have a climax movie by bringing all these characters together, ever since then, like team-ups and cameos and especially Age of Ultron sort of feel like weird, clunky affairs. Uh, that haven't made me excited that this is a continuing series of stories. And Civil War did just because it's such a different thing from what I was expecting from like the previous 
you know, half dozen movies uh, for sure. Um, it's a little over long, but I didn't mind because As I like all are. these characters. Yeah. And this is definitely one that is playing to the, the people that have been keeping up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it sort of pushes uh, every character forward a little bit, some more incrementally than others. Uh, so it's, I, I don't know, I found it very satisfying. And then especially after, you know, walking out of uh, Batman v Superman and Deadpool, like feeling, you know, entertained but tired and both those movies sort of soured on me as I like, you know, went through the rest of my year. I'm about two weeks out from seeing this and I just really want to see it again, which is a good sign, at least in my uh, my barometer of Marvel yeah. movies. I don't know if I would like if I'm eager to see the whole movie again, but the, the fight scene in the middle of it, I would happily watch again. And I can imagine myself tuning into the way that I'll watch the Avengers on cable, which is like <laughs> not a huge promise. But like, you know, I like I said, I, I had felt kind of burned out in this whole process. So I was happy to find like a liveliness and joy in it. They hadn't felt in a while in a Marvel movie. You like the sound of it. It could play in the background in your house. Yeah, I feel like I would get more out of it a second on a second viewing, which is uh, not that common for me. All right. So, Patches, you saw this most recently of all of us, I think. That's probably true, but maybe David should go next because he liked it. Nah. <laughs> you did. Uh, compared you did. to that, I did, yeah, I will never live down <laughs> my C grade on IndieWire for this film. A you guys fresh- throwing Rotten Tomatoes fresh. We're throwing tomatoes that at each is, other. Uh, like, really not in character. It's funny, like, though. Quintus, when do you care about Rotten Tomatoes? I oh, don't. Never, I was never, never, never. Sort of in right. a position where I could have gone either way and felt like I'd be damned if I did and damned if I didn't and decided. Damned if you did. Why not? Yeah, damned <laughs> if I did. All right. Um, so, David, being able to go, like, being Nick's in a Marvel movie for you is kind of an accomplishment since usually you walk in, like, not really expecting to find anything for you. Well, I think it's hard to argue that there is less working in this movie than there was in age of Ultron, which uh, was really the snuffed out any interest that I had in the Marvel cinematic universe because Josh, I mean, for a large part, Josh, Whedon had made the only one that I'd really jived with. And I thought that he had more of a, as much of a sense of self as Marvel was ever going to allow a director to bring to the table. uh, Even if so much of it was in the writing and it was a disaster. And this is really the Avengers 2.5. I'm so bored of all these characters. Uh, I don't need to rehash the argument that I levied in my very long review on IndieWire again, which you can read. It's positive, allegedly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think like I none of the, like this is it's uh, it's a it's a very uh, remedial, aggravating civics lesson. These characters are so played out. I was just reading an interview in Rolling Stone about Chris Evans where. It seems like he is the only person more bored of the Marvel Cinematic Universe than I am. Uh, I, I feel like that, that is palpable on screen. Uh, my, uh, but there are a few particular problems I had that sort of crystallized with this movie um, that I had with the entire MCU. One is the sense of humor. I've been trying to put my my finger uh, – it shouldn't have been this difficult – on what it is that makes the sense of humor in the Marvel movies so cloying where it was once funny, or at least in the original Avengers it was funny. And this movie – which is directed by two doofuses and scripted by who God knows. Uh, I mean, the, the Russo brothers are as vanilla as it gets. They're the perfect stewards for Marvel. Um, but they and they cannot shoot action to save their lives. I mean, it's truly appalling. However, like they it's actually have- next level terrible. 
It's, it's, it's they, really they, surprising. They under, know what wide shots are? <laughs> right. They forget those lenses there's at home? One I don't wide understand. Shot. One no, wide every time shot there's hand-to-hand action. combat in this movie, it's pretty nightmarish. Well, like, no, nightmare. the, one, the one great scene of action is a wide shot, with, and that's been teased in the trailer incessantly, which is uh, Winter Soldier, Captain America, and Iron Man duking it out. But, like, why, why can't every action sequence be modeled after this moment of a splash page? There's no well, splash so page moment in this, fi- in this film. Two and a half hours. That's a good point about the splash pages. I also think it's funny that uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is so hung up on what happened in New York. And, you know, I understand their psychological ramifications to the trauma of that event they're talking about. But really what they're talking about, as far as we know, is one action sequence. It happens to be the one good action sequence in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And all all these films are obsessed with it. They are, and they keep just going back to it and be like, hey, remember when that worked and really galvanized? Oh, all my God. There's an amazing <laughs> sequence in the movie where they replay – where William Hurt's character from The Incredible Hulk replays – he's he's like shaming them for damaging everything over the years. And he replays the Battle of New York. He replays uh, Slovakia. And then he replays – Sokovia. Sokovia. Sorry. Sokovia. I can't pronounce things. You know that. Um, and then he replays, oh, the end of Captain America Winter Soldier. And they all look exactly the same. It's just like giant <laughs> objects yeah. breaking through skyscrapers. Um, You're like – I turn to the person next to me like, is this the same movie over and over and over? What is – what's going true. on? But Although to go back to what I would say, wait, hold on. I, 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 I ruined my own point about uh, the sense of humor. I distracted myself and I apologize for that. But I did want to button that up just by saying that uh, here when you don't have Joss Whedon's wit, uh, the problem, the, the sameness of all of the humor becomes clear, which is that every single joke without fail, I think, every single joke comes down to superheroes. They're just like us. It's like <laughs> someone getting in a car and like needing to adjust the seat because their knees are squished. Yeah. Like hey, that, the whole world's in jeopardy. Clean the sink. fucking joke. Like, hey, hey, this guy is a superhero, but he also has really mundane problems. LOL. Yeah. Get out of way. Get out of my way, you living computer. Movies. I have a family at home. Every scene in this movie, every action beat is shot. It's the first movie I mentioned in my review that is shot almost entirely in GIFs, it feels. Like every beat of action consists of no more than three shots, all of which are medium close-ups, MCUs, dun-dun. Uh, and they uh, – I'm laughing at my own joke. I can't hear if you are, but yeah, I'm just going to no, see everyone no, else there. None of us. No, nothing. Uh, but he uh, – um, yeah, it, like there's, there's just nothing – Beyond the surface of this movie, I, I could not – we were talking about where the spoiler line is. Uh, I could not for the life of me remember what happens in the second half of this movie. Uh, it does not feel like they moved the football at all. Um, I was glad that there's no Thanos, I, but that is – and maybe that's a spoiler. I don't know. Who really can tell anymore? Oh, you, you, everyone knows. I was so glad there was no Thanos. Like yeah. this is – like that's is an automatic like, letter grade bump for me. Infinity Stones. There is a brief mention. Very of brief. As Paul Bettany walks around in a suit as Vision. Uh, Not a suit, but, a cardigan. Please. I mean, the, ar- the argument that I would make adjacent to Thanos and then patches, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep jumping in, but like the fact that there's no Thanos and that the, uh, the the action in general, especially the ending, which we won't talk too much about, but it's very human scaled. It's kind of a, that's why I like the Captain America movies in general, because they tend to be about things that are terrestrial and based around what people are doing and don't have aliens flooding in from portholes in the sky. Um, and that's what I liked about the overall vibe of this movie is it's all kind of about these people kind of causing their own yeah. problems. It's definitely yes. admirable. I'll say that. Like, I'm glad that this movie thinks or that uh, Anthony and Joe Russo think they can 
dial it back and start making a film about characters, but they can't. Um, either we're too far along and these characters don't really matter and they're investing in something blank or uh, or th- these movies are better served entertaining us with really large scale crazy action and nothing happens in this movie. I was yeah, re- it, extremely it disappointed in this movie as someone who loved Captain America, the first Avenger. I, I think I put on my top 10 ages ago and when and uh, Winter Soldier was a, a very good movie. I mean, I didn't care for the action too much, but I cared for the thriller nonsense. I like the computer scene, Dave. Um, <laughs> nothing happens in this movie. It's extraordinary. I really, this felt more than any, you know, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is lambasted for playing like television. I think that's totally fine. Play like television on the big screen. Be episodic. Um, interweave characters and be one big season or a, a, a network of episodes or of, of television shows. But this is an episode within – or this is a series of episodes within episodes. I threw some shade and said I felt like I just binged watch a season of Captain America Civil War. And that's what it really felt like. Every beat is a, an episode of something nonsensical. It has no – ever. it's like a beginning, middle, and end every 15, 20 minutes. And it goes nowhere. I don't care about the characters at all. And I've loved Chris Evans. That's yeah, I admire that they scaled it back and had uh, a villain who is a, it's just a guy. I think it's the first time oh really God, in the MCU yeah. that but he's the not villain established. is just established. He's not a guy. He has no, no, but he's great sucks. motivation. Yeah. He, well, okay, we'll get a, we'll get into the villain more. No, like, I mean, I, I I can speak in the broadest terms, but while I appreciated that he didn't uh, come from another planet or have a giant purple face or a <laughs> magical scepter. Uh, he is also the most boy. He's a non-character, uh, and his motivation, which is revealed at the end, is like I, I could not believe that that was it. Well, they're it chasing like, a ch- they're chasing a whole plot that they believe is true, and then turns out not to be. We'll get there in the spoiler section, but like the by making it more character-driven, quote unquote, you're deflating every moment in the service of. But not actually. It's not as extravagant as you think. You think it's a Marvel movie, but it's really just about people. It's not about people. It's about mm. uh, shades mm. of characters, uh, and and no one has the room to be truly established in this movie because there's eight thousand people in it. Mm. It's a really and it's it's, a, it's amazing how Joss Whedon. I liked it, uh, Age of Ultron, and I thought that was really well balanced. This is a mess. It's a mess. I did like that uh, Howard the Duck comes back in the post credit sequence, though. Uh. Big spoilers right now. <laughs> Maybe we need to get there to the real a- spoilers section. There were no pre- uh, there were no post credit sequences that I saw. It. Did you guys have post credits? We had two. Oh, Wait, I, I only had I only had one. Well, uh, we'll get into those in spoilers. But I can't remember what it was at all. <laughs> something, something. <laughs> next movie. Uh, something, something. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and move on to the spoiler gong. I think it's uh so for all of you. I mean, you already know if you're going to see this. Don't you don't need us to tell you. So, spoilers away. <laughs> Hey, can can we just go over real quick what the post credit sequences were? Because I forgot the one that I, I saw, I need to, and I would like to hear the second I one. I would like to hear what it. they are now that we're in spoilers. <laughs> I need to think of it for a second. What was the first day? Did you see one? Yeah, the first one oh, is yeah. Bucky is yeah. recovering in Wakanda. Oh, yes. uh, oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Put him to sleep. Right, and, Empire Strikes uh, Back. Um, yeah, Empire Strikes Back closing. So the second one that I saw is really dumb. It's Spider-Man in his bedroom. He's futzing around with some equipment, and then his, uh, Marissa Tomei walks in. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. He's playing with a new, like, shooter, web shooter, and it projects 
an image of the Spider-Man logo on his ceiling. Oh, that's so cool. It's not cool. It's a fucking toy setup. It's bullshit. I mean, no, no, no. Patches. Oh, my God. The Steve Ditko costume design had that on the belt that projected the Spider-Man logo so as a little light. What? God damn it. That's a callback. To- oh, OK. Never mind. It's a callback. Wait. Okay. So now that we're now that we're in spoilers, and uh, this is not really part of the whole thing, but uh, guys, the new Spider-Man is pretty great, right? Wait. This yes. is. This is th- there's been way no. too much credit given here. They yes, he's fine. They finally had the good idea of casting a teenager to play a teenager, yeah. and let him be a teenager, and everyone's acting like they fucking reinvented the wheel. Congratulations on doing the most basic tenant of your job, casting directors. Like, I, I, it's, I just don't understand why everyone is so eager to bend over backwards for them doing the simplest, getting the simplest thing right. Spider-Man is fine. He's fine. Well, the fine weird thing about the weird thing about the Spider-Man sequences is I like the new kid. What is his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. He is – no, he has spunk. He's uh, jittery okay. and – when Tony Stark shows up his house in the middle of nowhere, like this movie just totally deviates in the no, setup. It definitely, Iron like, Man two style. I was going to say Patches, it's called Queens, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dissing the movie here. It just interrupts. It feels like the Batman v Superman watching .mov files or whatever. Um, but it's but way overextended. More entertaining than that. It's it's a little more entertaining, but I really feel disappointed you know the big thing here was oh we don't have to do another spider-man origin story everyone already knows this character let's just introduce him into this world and get the fuck going but i want a whole movie of this kid and i thought this was a really shoddy way of inviting him into the circle right i don't want an origin story but this was underserved this is just this is like a half-baked introduction um and i thought it was a really overlong awkward scene with Robert Downey Jr. you know doing his riffing thing super fast talking and he and Tom Holland trying to keep up and being really jittery I just I, in the middle of the movie it felt really awkward especially because the first you know hour of this movie is such a slog to me nothing happens I was really really bored and the Spider-Man stuff is like the United Nations I mean, I guess oh, we we definitely like need to talk a about Black Panther chase sequence where they chase Bucky and the Black Panther shows up and then it becomes a car. Thing. I wish I could love that scene again. The action in this movie is ridiculously poorly shot. I mean, what did you, I couldn't what follow did you any of Black it. Panther in terms of introducing new characters because I think I, I mean I think Spider Man is briefly introduced and that worked for me because we know him well. But I thought that Black Panther really established himself within this movie as an actual character. Kinda. I mean, his motivation. Is a little wonky. His and, father gets and thin. killed. His father gets <laughs> killed. Okay, I'll be quite honest. What I don't appreciate about this, about his introduction, is whenever Blank Panther comes into a Blank scene. Blank Panther, you Whoa, nailed it. You nailed it. Wait, what? You said, said Blank, Blank Panther. Panther. No, okay. I said Black <laughs> Panther. I'm sorry. I'm slurring. Um, <laughs> Black Panther. Whenever he comes on to on the screen, the music by Henry Jackman, awful score. Again, I Awful. didn't care for Winter Soldier's Henry Jackman score either. But this is this the same one? Atrocious. Yeah, it's definitely. There's no way you can prove to me that he actually went back <laughs> into the studio and made new music. There's these like African woodwinds that come on that I just I was Ew. like, I'm gonna have to stamp that hashtag problematic right now. I wouldn't normally raise that flag, but man, I thought it was bad. I thought it was bad, and they're ma- and they're just like playing up that he's so different than everyone. I didn't like it. I thought it was really awkward. Are they- 
He is. And what's wrong? He's from an African nation. I know, but there's not enough established. There's not enough establishment there. There's not enough like who is this person? What are they going through? We only see what what is the country that they're from? The fictitious Wakanda. Wakanda. It's interesting that they have Wakanda, but they also met. Uh, mention what happened in Nigeria, this whole like real places, fictitious places. I don't know. Something about that. Well, they have to make up what I mean, what kind is made up in the comics, and also you've got like no, true. a kingdom of a fictional tribe. Like it doesn't make any sense for him to be from a real African country. I that just, would be way worse. I feel like every time they're weaving people into this, it's it's not about them, right? They're not gonna leave the room to make this movie about the Wakanda conflict and and the friction between the Avengers interfering in their affairs and then black panther stepping up and avenging for lack of a better word um his father or pursuing the winter soldier for apparently killing his dad i mean it's just so they need to stuff it in not weave it in and that's my big problem i just don't know this guy at all yeah i still feel that way and it's like who what 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 is it there was no reason to care about black panther like chadwick boseman is a charismatic actor uh totally rides that he's good in the movie yeah yeah, but like, what? Who is he? I don't give a shit about him. He's a dude whose dad dies. Big whoop, and he has long Jesus. nails. Like this is his whole character. He has a vibranium suit and long nails. I laughed at him every time those little things came out. Uh, and he's like, "I'm gonna go scratch Iron Man or whomever." I can't even remember who was on one side or the other because it's all so fucking arbitrary. As is captured beautifully by the fact that like ant-man rolls up in a car asleep and they're like yeah hey just get in the fight you're on this team it's and he's funny. like oh, okay it's, it's not it's funny. not that funny and it's also like so instructive of everything Paul that Rudd's is boring about this definitely movie. definitely the best part of the movie no doubt no, there's, yeah, yeah, I, I, I i have no problem mm. with i just think that like the laziness of which they treat his character which is supposed to be an expression of his own character's sort of apathy towards this whole thing and he's just happy to be there it works with spider-man but for him it just actually reflects the laziness laziness of the storytelling uh the more Wait. i think about this movie the worse it gets well Dave, yeah. back me up on black panther yeah black Panther's great i mean <laughs> yeah. what they do here is just economy of storytelling where they have a movie that no one could get the beginning middle or the end so everybody gets like two or three scenes to orbit or pivot around a point and the movie clips along from like action scene to action scene where everything that patches said was bad about like seeing an entire season of civil war for me it's like hey i got to see an entire season of civil war because the (laughs) big twist that bucky kills you know that bucky had killed uh tony's mother was in winter soldier um I guess and father was in was in Winter Soldier. And that so the fact where he's like, you know, did you know about this? And Captain America says, yes, but we don't see him learn about it in the movie, which implies that you're supposed to sort of remember. Oh, my God. So like I was like uh, uh, thinking that's what the third Captain America movie was going to be either way. And I was totally fine to see it transform into Avengers 2.5 along the way. Wait, Dave, help me out. Help me out. With yeah. something, like because I'm thinking that has no emotional resonance for me because like what if Bucky had done something while he was, and first of all, the, I, I'm so bored of this trope of memory loss. It's, and, and someone having been under mind control, it's not dramatically interesting at all. He wasn't responsible. I don't believe that you can hold him accountable for that. End of story. Yeah. It's really uh, surprising what motivates these characters to, characters to start, you know, bashing each other's faces in, especially because it switches gears 
three quarters of the way in the movie. It's no long the civil war is no longer about the political, it becomes right. about the emotional and personal. And I don't buy it at but any why? on either point. And I understand they need to get Captain America at Iron Man's throat, but I, I couldn't understand why Bucky was sort of the fulcrum for that because I, I, I feel nothing when learning that Captain America kept the secret, which shouldn't have really set Iron Man off to begin with. I mean, Tony Stark has all sorts of issues, I'm told, but they always feel like one and the same and, and never particularly well established uh, or interesting. I just didn't understand why there wasn't a wedge between Bucky and Captain America, uh, why it had to be between Tony and Iron Man. The politics stuff is is never particularly well defined. Um, it's never well motivated. I just, I didn't understand the whole thing with the car crash, why the movie cared about that so much. Um, it just didn't translate to emotion for me. Well, I mean, the whole Baron Zemo plot is just like escalation to a breaking point and then he succeeds, which is either like the weirdest thing that's ever happened in a Marvel movie or smartest thing that's ever happened in a Marvel movie, which is that he's waiting for the point to deploy this thing that shouldn't be that big of a deal that actually makes them not want to talk to each other. And it's not like a huge outsized conflict. Like it makes them want to kill each other. It just at the end actually fractures the Avengers into two parts. But why? Uh, Like, uh, aren't you surprised or Katie, I pose this question to you. Aren't you surprised that everyone is like on a team? Because later in the movie, Black Widow is just like, wait, this makes no sense. Captain America, do your thing. I agree with you. Why is she ever on Iron Man's side? Or like, why is why would Jeremy after- Renner come out of retirement? He's with his family. Why? And Iron Man asks the asks him this point blank. Why would you leave your family for this fight? It doesn't yeah, doesn't Ant Man have kids? Like, doesn't he have to he want to spend time with his daughter? It's like go play with <laughs> no, your I, kids. Like, go no, I when they, when they started assembling. Yeah, you asked me a question. Uh, when they start assembling everyone for the sides of the fight, I admit there's like definitely an inconsistent logic where like Hawkeye shows up and you're like, okay, sure. Like you don't, there's not really any reason for you to be here. Like it is very clear why Captain America and Iron Man, Bucky, Falcon, I think Black Widow like needs to be involved in it, but she's, I mean, she's torn about it. Like she's torn throughout. You see her, uh, her inability to decide. So when she kind of betrays her team during that fight, like it makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, like there's like not totally a reason for everyone else to choose sides, but then it's, I don't know, it's fun to watch. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like a great storytelling trope, but like I thought about it and it bugged me for a little while and then I forgot about it. I do like when, um, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man becomes big. Yeah. yeah. It's really I didn't fun. know he could do that. No, neither did he apparently. It, it was a great moment of, wow, I wish literally any other filmmakers on the planet had been able to show me this cool moment so I could have appreciated it. But uh, I liked it in theory that it was there, which is about as much as I could tell from the fucking camera work. Dave, do you uh, agree that the, that the action uh, filmmaking was a little weak? I mean, some of it's muddled, but I'm, it didn't bother me as much as it sounded like it was bothering David David and Patches. It really I mean, especially on a, on a sour note. I thought the crossbones sequence mm. in the beginning was mm-hmm. like impenetrable i had no idea what was going on i saw captain america kick one guy at some point but everything else was in super tight close-up shake and like shaking speed cam. ramping or like it's uh there's frames missing or something yeah. they need to murder the falcon he is the most murderable character outside of hawkeye who they also need to murder and well his action makes anthony everything Mackie crazier, is right? so because boring he can control drones <laughs> and, and he can shoot oh missiles. i love anthony mackie uh, i i there's no appeal to me with of anthony mackie and i and the, i just think the falcon is such a it's such a doofy character and 
his fight with Ant-Man was doofy, and now they're here and they're acknowledging it's doofy. Uh, and I didn't think that the little Falcon device was handled very well. Uh, it, it feel, every time he comes up, he feels like the JV Avengers. And <laughs> Although it's, I, it's weird I mean, that he controls... that's literally the role he played in Ant-Man, where it was like, that's oh, true. no one else is available, you can be in it. Right, it's so that true. moment they make fun of in... Uh, in Deadpool, where it's like he's obviously the only guy on the payroll <laughs> they could get to just be hanging out at Avengers HQ when they were needing the film. Don't, don't you think it's weird that he controls a drone, but that's never really brought up in a political context, despite the fact that the movie isn't is trying its best to be political? Or maybe the it's movie not. is not it is trying, trying its, best its best to be political. political. Yeah, no. Well, they it's trying to be apolitical. Know. Let's let's broach that subject because I think that's a real fault of the movie. I mean, it can't help but be political on some level, right? And it and it no no. What are you doing, bringing this to this movie? Stop it! This is a movie about comic book characters fighting each other. Oh. No, I'm what, completely what, serious. Patches, what political stance do you think this movie takes? Well, Captain America believes that if you have the power to do something, you always do it, right? Mm-hmm. That it, um, no. It's kind of like 13 hours in a way. Captain America believes he doesn't want to be governed by a democratic or political body as a superhero. Right, or no, he thinks it's above it. He thinks the duty to serve people and save people is above the law, that you shouldn't go through any sort of bureaucracy to – to if it means saving lives on some level. And that's I mean he believes it, that, implicit- but he also calls out the world whatever organization that shot a nuke at New York and the you know what happened with Hydra right, and but you Shield. Don't think Iron and, Man and, and War Machine make points about this like hey, we're talking about basically the United Nations, like we're trying to organize the world around you so that we can function on some democratic level where we're going to tell you when to intervene you can't just be a vigilante they call it out some people think you're heroes and other people think you're vigilantes this is a huge political point and i was about to say it's it's like 13 hours we discussed this on that episode <laughs> go to that if you dare would um, you say that 13 hours is a better film than civil war i would actually wow. oh, man. Uh, and not on a political level necessarily um but at least it, it confronts the political notions it sways it swings in the direction that it wants to, but uh at least it confronts these notions in some way. This one just kind of fizzles out and becomes a yeah, personal drama. It's interesting that uh you know, thinking about how apolitical the movie tries to be, um there's never a complete way to snuff all of that line of thinking out. But um it, it makes me think a little bit about what the Avengers role is in the world and how they're so caught up either in this case fighting with themselves, but much more often fighting with some sort of intergalactic threat that they can never actually address any of the things that we think of as issues that superheroes might want to tackle. We don't, even in Batman vs Superman, and I'm not using that as an example of anything done particularly well, you see Superman engaging in conflicts that uh, are understandable to us. Like a factory fire. Sure, or going to fight. I mean, that fight in the Middle East in the beginning, it's easy to extrapolate that as being a fight against ISIS or whatever. Um, but you would hope that he had already sort of wiped ISIS off the map. Uh, but Come on, Superman. The, yeah. Uh, but no, it's, 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 I was just thinking while Patches was talking about how Captain America would hate Donald Trump. Um, because, I, you know, we, no one needs to write that think piece, but I can entertain the thought for five seconds. And <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is that uh, in these movies as they exist – well, yes, Captain America may hate Donald Trump. Uh, they are way too busy being completely 
sort of negated by the degree of threat that is visited upon the Earth since their creation and arrival in some cases, that uh, it, it has no bearing on the world at large. It is, it's just like a closed it circuit. It doesn't seem to have impacted Captain America either. You know, the, the things that they're bringing to him have not, you know, this whole attack and the whole uh, Sokovia incident has not made it a dent on his, his You don't pride think he's more influenced by the ideology. role of Hydra in the previous Captain America movie? Like in his, you know, I think he has a natural disinclination towards he's, large-scale government because he comes from World War II. Well, you're, you're right. And at a certain point in this movie, he actually says, like, I want to be held accountable for my actions. But he's not. Right. I mean, at no point he defies the government at every turn. He defies his friends in the name of heroism. Um, he says that people must serve the people and he just does whatever he wants. But without actual accountability, even though he claims to want that. And I think that's in a weird way why this movie fails. It wants to have a purpose that is beyond this kind of fictitious grandeur, this this frivolous like outsider alien attack. I disagree with that. Go um, ahead. But it never gets to its political point and I think the ending of the movie is a huge letdown. There's no ending. It does not come there to is, a conclusion. There is no ending. Dave, do your disputing. I mean there is no ending but like nothing about this movie is political so much so that all of the politics of the movie are self-referential maybe to detriment to previous Avengers movies and then the second that, you know, Cap is actually going to have to make a choice, it pivots by having Bucky bomb the UN. And so it puts him in a position where he knows he's right and the system is wrong rather than just in this theoretical position where he has to decide whether or not he's going to sign something. The and the movie makes it very clear that it's about controlling the Avengers, not all superheroes. So it's about having a state-run group of superheroes that, you know, can be directed around the world. And Captain America doesn't think that's, like, the way to go. But those are all problems inside the Marvel Universe. I think, like, what you're attributing to Captain America is what I would love to see in a Superman is a character that acts justifiably righteous and knows that he is right rather than, like, a self-doubting, you know, pansy, you know, nothing person which is end up what i like get on screen so this so version Dave, of captain america works for me is Dave, idealized. you would say that this is the yeah. worst marvel movie and you're pretty much done with superhero cinema from here on, here on <laughs> out wait david we have been way too far well, the, worst marvel wait, that, no no I, that's just the vibe that i get from dave i'm, I'm not trying to put my, words in his mouth my minor pivot i mean i we should wrap things up i guess but we didn't really talk about daniel Bruhl as zemo who yeah. i knew nothing about i knew nothing about him before the movie, I I was kind of Captain surprised Zemo. that I hadn't yeah <laughs> that I hadn't heard anything about him. But he's essential to what we're discussing here, which is the politics of the movie and the guilt of these heroes. What? Well, actually, maybe we should talk about Iron Man having this moment with Alfred Woodard in the beginning of the oh, movie. Jesus, it's I actually kind of an emotional scene. I liked that scene. Um, yeah, I did. It I turns totally out that if you are bitter enough about the death of your son, you can get past security. That's just how it works. It's a free isn't backstage she, pass. Doesn't she have yeah. a role in another Marvel movie or something? Wasn't she's, there like some? She's gonna be. Yeah, in that, Luke that's Cage. a mistake. Yeah, she's, she's in what? Be, she's in Luke Cage, but those characters are unrelated. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, so so after I saw the movie, our friend Joanna Robinson told me that 
the way that that Zemo character, Dana Brule's character is in the comics is like totally insane and wears like a big mask and it's purple, I think. And I had no idea that was where it could have gone. And I'm so glad they made him a human. And that is where they left the whole thing. Did they? I think it's a mistake. I think like, it was a mistake to leave his motivations as a mystery until the end because it doesn't really, the payoff isn't really there. But I liked him. I don't know. I liked him as a force of chaos, like the same way that Loki was there to kind of try to get in everyone's heads and split them apart. In the first Avengers movies, he's doing this on a much, you know, more, like I keep saying, human scale and his reasons for doing it, while, you know, kind of presented clumsily, makes sense. More like finding Zemo because he completely disappears in this movie time and time again to the point where I forgot he was in it. Uh, and then he is clumsily setting up the final confrontation and then sort of watching it from behind a pane of glass. And he just the walks away. Yeah, just walks away and tries to kill himself. And I was like, just let him kill himself, please. <laughs> Guarantee me that he will not come back for another one of these things. We can all just call this a mulligan. Wait, they do kind uh, of set him up. Dave, do you think that Zemo is in the future movies in some weird way? Or why is Martin Freeman in this movie? Great question. Martin I Freeman. mean, Martin Freeman's supposedly supposed to show up in Black Panther 2, so I don't know. Oh. But, I mean, keeping Zemo around is just, it's always nice to have spare characters you could dump the Red Skull's brain into in case Hugo Weaving, Martin, you know, definitely decides he wasn't doesn't want to come back. Is Martin Freeman related to William Hurt's character? They both have the last, same last name. They're both Rosses. I don't think so. I think that's, they chose like a random... Uh, Flacky government, flacky character from the comics, and named Martin Freeman's character after that, even though he's only in like two scenes. Weird. Um, yeah, I thought the ending with Zemo was odd that he was being locked up and Martin Freeman was interrogating him, and it seems like set up for something that was indecipherable. I know, I'm not sure. Dave, are there is there a uh, origins that uh, prison, the sort of underwater prison, is that in the comic books and not yeah, just a cheap rip off of Azkaban? No, it's called <laughs> Rafts, and it was uh, – yeah, it's been in the comic books. It's like the superhero prison in the Marvel Universe. Because I, I wanted to slag it for being a cheaper of Azkaban, but I figured that it probably had a uh, origin that predates Harry Potter. Uh, Is offshore? Oh, yeah. Azkaban's in like the middle of – I mean maybe it's like underwater connected by rocks to the mainland. But as far as I can tell from the movies, it is it's jutting out of the ocean. Yeah. I think in the books it's not, and I just forget. Iron Man takes a helicopter out there during a uh, rain thunderstorm, which I thought was Iron a Man very bad a idea. <laughs> yeah, but he's got like the hand thing on. The thing crashes. That's then true. He just zips away. Yeah, you just get into the talk the about like I, the well, main Iron players in this a, movie. Iron Man's Iron Man terrible. Is such a death wish. I mean, like the guy clearly doesn't want to be alive anymore. And the whole Pepper so Potts tortured. breakup thing is a very oh, weird. I mean, who knows what happened to Pepper Potts? But Paltrow was busy writing a cookbook. I yeah. think the most effective thing that Oop. they could do, and I mean this seriously, and not just sort of out of my spite and disinterest in this character, is that it let Iron Man die. Is well, like, okay. I was genuinely surprised that no one died in this movie. When oh would my they god! Die, the whole thing about Don no Cheadle breaking his back, and they're like, "What?" And Iron Man's practically weeping, and it's just like. You don't care. No one cares. But like, didn't you? Didn't I mean? I fully expected someone to die. I did too. I did didn't not because though. I didn't think that anyone and I didn't think a good guy could kill a good guy. No, I didn't expect it to be and like. Oh, so, I didn't problem. expect it to be like Iron Man bashing in Captain America's face. Like I expected it to happen in some other way. But we kind of let or like the, we kind of let these comic book movies slide, and I think we have this conversation in almost every Marvel movie, which is like, what are the stakes? And I don't really give a shit. Normally, like I know there will be more movies and I know that they'll, you know, 
beat up Lee Pace in Guardians of the Galaxy. They'll punch Loki in the face and everything will be okay at the end of Avengers. Like, it does not matter. It's all about getting there. And that's the major fault for me of Captain America Civil War. I don't even care about getting there because there, there's no villain. Zemo is a non-presence. And these guys are friends, and they're just like duking it out, and they're in the airport, and they're like, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't hit you." But, you know, like maybe can I punch you? Are, okay, I'll punch you. Are are they friends? Yes, yes. But I will, uh, I will give them credit for, um, you know, and again, we said earlier that it's admirable that it's a more character-driven, small-scale movie, uh, despite its budget and the size of its cast. Uh, and I, I still, as mishandled as it is, I still believe that. Um, I like, in theory, the idea that they're fighting one another, and I appreciated how, to the best of their limited ability, they avoided the Pirates of the Caribbean to Immortals fighting vibe because they are so constantly wrestling. I mean, as arbitrary as the fight is and as clueless as I was to who was fighting whom and for what, and because there's only ever one plane of action, this really baffled me, that at no point in any of those shots do you see other people fighting in the background. It's all, as if all right. that is happening in these these two shots is all that exists in the world. It's not but cabin it's in the woods. A, no, it's a catastrophic failure of action direction. Anyway, um, I did appreciate how they actually wrestle with like how hard should I punch? Uh, what am I trying to accomplish here? They find a way to allow you to negotiate that as you're going along with it, so that it doesn't just feel like Jeffrey Rush and Charlie Depp, Charlie Depp, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Depp. Uh, <laughs> How, where did, did I get Charlie? Charlie, 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 Charlie Murphy? Um, but uh, that's about as much praise as I can give this. I, I am interested to reread my review and figure <laughs> out too. what I said positively <laughs> about this movie. Um, but I think it was I was overpraising the attempt uh, and, and trying to – More of what to, I liked about Winter Soldier and, and Civil – I mean uh, First Avenger – which is more Captain America, more Bucky. Like the best scenes of this movie are just the two of them kind of shooting the shit. When Captain America gets to Winter Soldier's apartment and they're bantering and they're being friends or the very funny scene where Captain America finally hooks up with Emily Van Camp, who I love. I love her. Yeah. In this movie, Uh, they kiss finally. And Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have a moment in this car where, for some reason, Sebastian stands in the back seat and can't fit. That's all really funny. Like, more of that. But there's no room, it's, right? There's it's no like room the one Marvel movie. joke, but a fine application of it, I suppose. And, and Scarlett Johansson is shafted in this movie. Like, very good. Like, really, really fun in Winter Soldier has nothing to do in Civil War. That's a shame. Yeah. Wait, in the when post Lucy Lucy world? movie again? Come on. So what do I like about this movie? I don't know. I just I think, you know, we're talking about Emily Van Camp and the making out. And uh, it just makes me think that, like, I, I have even less time for these movies after Jessica Jones than I did beforehand when Marvel cops of being able to have human characters or like even vaguely human characters and that did human things and had human emotions and wants and needs. And now they go back to the big ticket items and all those things are absent. And I liked it. Me too. Yay. <laughs> a good time at the movies. I, uh, I See it. it. I am still dreading the hell out of X-Men. So, uh, poor Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Jeremy Renner, whatever. No, he deserves Remember when he was going to have his own board franchise. All of his parts. Oh, that's sad. There's a part of this movie where Jeremy Renner's like, hi, I'm Clint. 
And then Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther says, I don't care. And I was like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I shouted out, me too. And then everyone around me stood up and began applauding and throwing me money. It was bizarre. <laughs> you speak for the people, David. And then I was like, make the Marvel Cinematic Universe great again. And now I'm president. It's like, <laughs> what a Congratulations world. on that successful Republican nomination, David. That's no problem. Dude, Turns will, out it's not that hard. Will this movie get a sequel? <laughs> Will this? Get... <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna have. I will be interested to see um, how they dispose of these original core characters because it really sounds like Chris Evans is not going to come back after the really? Infinity War Part Two. And I understand it's years from now, but they will have to send Captain America on a very long mission, or he freeze him again, or kill him. I don't know. But Dave, will Bucky take over? I hope not. I mean, uh, I thought that was how this one was going to end. So who oh. who knows? Bucky might actually be the worst character in the MCU. I like him. What oh, is man. The- are you you are forgetting Lee Pace and Guardians of the Galaxy up. way too quickly. Mm-hmm. I know. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy on TV, or at least half it the other day uh, again. And just because of how, I mean, again, different is a relative term when you're talking about the MCU. But just because of how removed from from the events that we see in Civil War, it is. I was immediately warmer to that movie and found myself looking forward to the sequel. Wow. Uh, so Patrick, the- are you dreading Infinity War? No, I'm excited for every Marvel movie, to be quite honest, because <laughs> um, I didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've liked every Captain America movie, and so this was a surprise. Um, yeah, that is a surprise. So I'm, I'm excited for Thor. Two, three? Yeah, three. I actually three. like Thor... The Dark World. Um, nope. Dave, does Thor Ragnarok take place during this movie? That's what I kept wondering when I was my mind was wandering and I needed other things to think about. Possibly. I figured it's kind of a side cool. And then they all meet up in Infinity War, which I guess my biggest problem is I didn't think the Rooster Brothers could handle this many characters in one movie. And I don't understand how they would even begin to manage what would happen in Infinity War. So there you go. That's um, why it has to be two movies. Trepidation. Well, Captain America Civil War is everywhere, literally everywhere you look. So Doritos uh, bags. Yep. All of uh, it's been on advertised on television for the last year and a half, I think. So um, you know, <laughs> if you want to, go see it. I finally get to replace my Batman cereal with some Iron Man cereal this Ooh. week. Is it is it Iron Man branded cereal or is it Iron Man on top of a other another type of cereal? Um, uh, well, I think the Iron Man and Captain America ones are different variations of like a Lucky Charms-ish mm. cereal where you're getting different shaped marshmallows. But the Batman Superman ones were completely different cereals, which was pretty sweet. When it it kind of, that, that was the best thing. Is the Iron Man cereal fortified with iron? <laughs> oh, oh, hey, it's, it's fortified with your mother's death, just like the Batman and Superman ones. <laughs> I can't believe this movie is about mom, moms dying. Again, so many moms moms die. So many moms. Not all moms. Not all moms. Just in time for Mother's Day weekend. Go see Captain America with your mom. Strong and brave here to save the American way.
before we get to your lightning round answers, David, you saw a movie that you really like that comes out this week, but probably not as many theaters as Captain America. Yeah, I actually have no idea uh, how wide of a release this is getting. Uh, this week is actually out. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It is already in theaters, at least in New York. It's called The Bigger Splash uh, by Luca Guadagnino, who made hey. uh, who made I Am Love with the Swinton. And she is uh, back in this movie with Ray Fiennes reuniting from the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, and I was I wanted to say some of the Harry Potters. Tilda Swinton really wasn't in a Harry Potter. That seems bizarre. She's uh, not. You're reading from my dreams, though. Yeah, waste, waste, uh, wasted opportunity there. Anyway, a bigger splash is uh, the subject of my longest review to date on IndieWire. So I'll really keep this quick. If you're that interested, please go read. Uh, it is a uh, erotic dramedy of sorts about four very pretty people. Uh, who are on an island in the on the Mediterranean Sea, and there's all sorts of emotional baggage between them, and shit gets nuts. There's uh, Tilda Swinton finally essentially playing David Bowie as a rock goddess uh, who has just had vocal cord surgery and is recovering with her boyfriend, Matthias Schoenhartz, uh, and they're just fucking around and around in the sun uh, while she can't speak. And then literally, are they fucking around? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. They're like Tilda Swinton is. Everyone is constantly naked in this movie. Uh, <laughs> you see so much Ray finds Wang, you won't even believe it. I've never actually been par- uh, partial to the word Wang, but for whatever reason, in the context of Ray finds, it really feels right. Uh, is this fine, fine Wang? Fine yeah. Wang. It's, it's the sound uh, that it makes sweet. when it. It's very bouncy. The, yeah. There are, um, and so he is her ex-lover. Uh, and also music producer. He is, he's produced music for the Rolling Stones. He's produced music for her. He is like a hopped up cocaine addict, uh, bon vivant nightmare who wants to get back together. He shows up with his daughter, who's played by Dakota Johnson, who shows way more of herself in every respect than she did in Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, she is his daughter, even though they only met each other for the first time this a year before. And they have a very flirtatious relationship. It starts more or less with Ray Fiennes doing a long dance to the Rolling Stones' "Emotional Rescue." Uh, it only—it's so good. It goes to really dark places. It has such a playful style about it. If you've seen "I Am Love," this is a much uh, lighter movie aesthetically, thematically. I'd say it's—it's it's quite heavy in a lot of respects, but it's a real lightness of touch to it, um, even as it spins into Patricia Highsmith territory. Uh, it's the remake of Jacques Deray's. Uh, La Piscine from 1967, but it's a very, very loose one. Um, it's uh, a wild movie that has such style to it. There are individual shots that are burned into my mind. Uh, Tilda Swinton, even without able, being able to speak, is just brilliant, and Ray Fiennes even better. Uh, it is one of the best movies I've seen this year, although that is a low bar. Uh, if A bigger splash. It's like a real movie when they used to make those. I said afterwards that like the, the cynic of in me thinks that every time I see a good movie now, it's just a throwback to a time when people regularly made good movies. Uh, it's just, there's something nostalgic about quality, but go see it. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, what was this week's lightning round question? What was your favorite Palme d'Or winner and why in honor of Deepon? Oh, that's right. I forgot it was in honor of Deepon and, and, you know, bigger splash Europe, it all fits together. Um, yeah, Patches, what answer did you like? 
I'm going to go with uh, James at Keltar93, who said, All that jazz, because winning it a month after losing Best Picture was the perfect way to stick it to the Oscars, which I think is interesting. I feel like we don't see a lot of movies coming off the Oscars and going to Cannes anymore. Is that even plausible? Katie, you're on Little Gold Men. Oh, God. I don't know. That's a, that, I mean, it just the cycle doesn't work that way anymore, really. Right. Why? I don't know. Well, a movie I mean, that plays at Cannes has to premiere at Cannes, and so it makes no sense that it would be eligible for the previous year's Oscars. I would have to fact-check this claim, then, that it was going to the Oscars, then going to Cannes. Maybe that's not the case, and this person is lying. But it is a really good statement to make in this, uh, in this section mm-hmm. of the lightning round, so I'm going to David, which one David, which one are you going with? I'm going to go with Zach Oldenburg only because he said tree if life, <laughs> which I feel like uh, his typo would, would make for a much better movie. Tree of life was a fine uh, winner. Sure. But tree if life. Yeah. Sky's the limit. Dave, how about you? I'm going to take Joanna Robinson. Joe wrote this. said sex Eat lies egg. and videotape. Good answer. <laughs> I am. Uh, I don't know. I'm picking a forceful answer for a movie I've never heard of. David Sims says, The Leopard, not Let's Not Fuck Around. And it's an Italian movie in which Burt Lancaster plays some kind of Italian prince. It's by Lucino Visconti. Yeah, I'd never heard of this movie. My Italian accent is just... I think you got your Italian accent from uh, Assassin's Creed. No, it's the guy from Spy. (laughs) What's his name? Uh, Oh, Peter... uh, Yeah, Peter Serafinowicz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's my Italian I want to fuck you. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Spy is my favorite Paul Nor winner. Is that does that count? Spy did uh, not qualify. All right, that does it for this week's fighting in the war room. We'll be back next week with surely a much shorter review segment and lots of other stuff to talk about too. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches, senior entertainment editor of Realist.com, and I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. I'm a David Ehrlich. I am <laughs> senior film critic for IndieWire. You can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. I'm Dave Gonzalez. I write for Latino-Review.com and Geek.com. You can find me on Twitter at DA70. I was really hoping for like a German accent or something just to... to... Sorry about that. I, I, I'm not good at accents. Me neither. So I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at VanityFair.com or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-A-C-H. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Mm